He said success is running from one failure to the next with undiminished enthusiasm. And that's oftentimes the case, and that's much of the Christian life. Uh, you'll have those kinds of experiences. God gives you the uh, grace and the freedom when you turn to Him in repentance to uh, get back up and keep moving forward. So there's hope for those who've been tempted and they have fallen. I I'd like to go to the other end, and that is before uh, there's failure uh, with temptation, and help this evening and give you some things that are going to help you with temptation. In Genesis chapter 39, how can I be triumphant over temptation? Well, the first thing to do is this. Admit the possibility. Admit the possibility that you can be tempted. Gen Genesis 38, the uh, son of Leah, son of Jacob, Judah, fell to temptation. Uh, Joseph was tempted as well. And look at the repeated phrases in Genesis chapter 39 uh, when he faced temptation in Potiphar's house with Potiphar's, uh, with Potiphar's wife. In verse 1, it says, Now Joseph had been taken to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. He was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw the Lord was with him, and the Lord made all that he did prosper in his hand. So twice we have here, the Lord was with him. Then we have the phrase, the Lord did prosper him, down in verse number uh, 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. Verse number 23, the keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. There are five large direct compliments of Joseph here in this text that God was with him and yet he was still tempted. If you want to be close to the Lord Jesus, if you want to be used of Him, amen, praise the Lord, but come into that walk with Him with your eyes wide open. Go into it with your eyes wide open. Because the moment you get serious about Jesus, uh, the world, the flesh, and the devil will put a larger bullseye on your back. That's what happens. You've got to admit the possibility. Now, when you admit the possibility, then you become alert. So you don't want to be surprised when temptation comes your way. You, you, you don't want to be shocked by it. You don't want to be unprepared. Go ahead and get started with a serious walk with Jesus Christ, being alert, being awake, and being aware. It's when we are unprepared to face temptation that we are likely to fall. The more alert, the more aware that you are, the more likely it is that you will win. Hey, what you've got to understand is that in the fall, uh, Adam and Eve handed over legal right to the earth to the devil. This is enemy territory. Now, Jesus has redeemed it. He's repurchased it. He's been elected Lord overall. He just hasn't taken office yet. It's not January 21st yet. Okay? He, when he comes again, he will take office then. In the meantime... We are in enemy-occupied territory on a sabotage mission. And the devil and his crowd know it. You are surrounded indeed by hills, and there are snipers behind every tree. That's what you've got to understand. That is what you're living in. And so you've got to approach this uh, on guard, ready, and alert. You can't be thoughtless. You can't be silly. You can't be careless. You've got to admit You've got to admit the possibility of temptation. But um, there's a second thing. Act on purpose. Act on purpose. 
Baylor Medical Center in Houston has done some research on food cravings. You ever get food cravings? One researcher found they last about 10 minutes and recommends that if you'll make it through the craving, that you'll get beyond it and you won't gobble down a whole pack of Oreos or potato chips. That what you do instead is that whenever you get food cravings, that you immediately distract your attention to some kind of activity, uh, maybe a phone call. Uh, Y'all still make those? Um, uh, Some kind of human interaction. Uh, For for those of us who know the Lord, uh, you can pray, you can read the Scripture, you can call a friend, do some kind of work, start cleaning out a closet, whatever. Whenever you get the craving, purposely act in order to make it through the craving. And in about 10 minutes, they say it will diminish and it will go away. Joseph is acting purposely. He is acting on purpose. He is staying busy. In fact, look with me in uh, verse uh, 6. It says here that Joseph, he came into Potiphar's house. He was sold into slavery. Potiphar was impressed with him and placed him as the number one assistant in the home. In verse 5, uh, verse 4 it says, So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house. And all that he had he put under his, Joseph's, authority. So it was from the time that he made him overseer of his house and all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and the field. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. He forgot about everything because Joseph was in charge. Joseph was a busy man. One of the best ways to have victory over temptation is not to grow idle. My grandmother told me when I was a boy, an idle mind is the devil's workshop. The devil gets busy with idle people. Late at night, you don't have anything to do and your phone is there. And you start surfing some things and you're tempted to look where you shouldn't look. All right? Uh, You're kind of idle with a friend and you're tempted just to start gossiping with somebody. You get idle. Uh, Do not get idle. Idle. Now, if you are idle, do it in the presence of someone else who can keep you accountable. But when you're by yourself, idle time and idle mind and idle life can lead and open you up to temptation. Well, Joseph is terribly busy, and so he ends up having some victory over temptation. By the way, let me say about temptation at work. Don't get idle. It really stunned me. It really stunned me. When I took my first couple of jobs in high school and college, just how idle some people were, and they still collected a paycheck. That really bothered me. My grandfather taught me, always keep a broom in your hand, which means he expected me to live that kind of work for all of my life, I guess. But he said, always keep a broom in your hand. And so when I worked fast food in high school at Jack in the Box, how many of you have been to see Jack in the Clown? There you go. I worked in high school at Jack in the Box. If I wasn't flipping burgers or wrapping meals or doing something, I kept a broom in my hand. Stayed constantly in motion and in action. Did not get idle because I did not believe that I could be still and earn a paycheck. It was wrong. I would also check in on time. I would arrive to the check-in clock a little early, and I would check out just a little bit late because I wanted to stay busy and active because I was earning a paycheck and it was immoral and it was wrong to show up late when I was supposed to arrive early 
and it was wrong to check out early when I was supposed to stay till 5 or 6 or whenever I was supposed to stay till, and it was wrong to hang around the clock to wait for it to hit 5 when it wasn't working. It is wrong to be idle and earn a paycheck. Amen? Or owe me. That's what we do. People, and you see, I wasn't just earning a paycheck. And I wasn't just lifting burgers. And I wasn't just finding parts in the parts department at the Chevrolet dealership. I was on mission for Jesus, and I wanted people to take me serious. I wanted to share Jesus with the Blue Street Cusser manager that I had, Kim uh, Fletcher. I wanted him to take Jesus serious. I wanted Darius to take Jesus serious. I wanted to be encouragement to my parts manager who was struggling with this walk with Christ privately. He was in church all the time, and uh, but still struggling. I'd have to, he'd come back on Monday, I'd scoop him up off the floor. He was so downcast over his behavior over the weekend. I was not merely earning a paycheck. I wasn't just doing a job. Ladies and gentlemen, I was on mission for Jesus, and whether you realize it or not in your workplace, you are on mission with Jesus too. Man, I've got plenty more time. Uh, so act on purpose. Number three, acknowledge God's involvement. Now, he gets tempted by Potiphar's wife, and look what he says in verse number nine, um, and really verse number eight. Look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he's committed all that he has in my hand. There's no one greater in the house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you're his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against Potiphar? Sin against God. Sin against God. Joseph knew that God was personally involved in all his attitudes, his behavior, and his conduct. He knew that God was there, and God was watching, and God was involved. David would pray in Psalms 51, verse 4, after sinning and confessing, against thee and thee only have I sinned. So God is personally involved in everything. Now, I know that can scare the daylights out of you, but that also is a comfort to me because he's there. He's with me. He feels everything that's going on. And I sure don't want to wound him. I love him too much. I don't want to wound him. I don't want to sadden him. He's been too good to me. And so we acknowledge that God is involved in it all, and that's what happens here. This is a real personal thing. So whenever you're tempted, before you're tempted, as you're tempted, after you're tempted, think of God's personal involvement. Think about his love. Think about his goodness. Think about his grace that got you through. Think about all of that. Thomas Watson, the Puritan preacher, preached a message entitled one time, The Expulsive Power of a New Affection. Now, do you know what the word expulsive means? We don't use that, really. That's uh, older English. But just imagine the E-X prefix, X, it's out, expulsive. Well, you, you can pretty well figure it out just by the feel of the word on your lips, expulsive. The, the expelling power, the, the forceful power, the, the power that pushes something out. The expulsive power of a new love, a new affection. How about you make the Lord Jesus first? How about you make Him your new affection? And what can happen with temptations in your heart and life is the same thing that happens to uh, old leaves on the tree in the spring. You know, not all, le- not all trees, not all hardwoods lose their leaves in the winter. Some of them maintain them and they just grow brown. But what happens in the spring? There's new growth, there's new life, and the new leaves push out. They expel 
the old death. You get a new love and a new affection for the Lord Jesus, and you're going to have a new power to overcome temptation. That's how. That's why you've got to keep up your walk with God. That's why you've got to have an unbridled enthusiasm for Jesus. That's why you've got to. Uh, that's why you've got to reflect on His multiplied majesties. That's why you've got to think about all the wonderful things He's done for you and how He's intervened. You do that, and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and His grace. Acknowledge God's involvement. Uh, he will expel these things in you. There is power in the love of Christ. But there's a fourth thing. Anticipate consequences. Well, Joseph said... Joseph says here in um, uh, Joseph says here in verse number nine, how then can I do this great wickedness? He anticipates something. There is a logical consequence to him engaging in sin. He understands that that is going to happen. That's what you need to emphasize when tempted. You need to emphasize love for Christ and the consequences that can follow. Really need to. Uh, some fellow wrote a book entitled The 50 Secrets Grocery Store Will Not Tell You. Now, I love the grocery store. I grocery shop for my family, and I do a perfect job at it. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a thankless job. But uh, anyway, uh, some stores, what they'll do, uh, they know that if they offer 10 for $10, they can get your attention and run up sales. They can't. There's something real attractive about 10 for 10. And I'm not commenting on a local grocery store or anything, okay? There's one in particular that does that a lot. But a 10 for 10 sale is really attractive even if they raise the price on the one. For example, there are some grocery stores that on a normal day without a sale, a can of tuna will cost 89 cents. But if they offer it, 10 of the same for $10, they'll sell more, even though the customer's paying a dollar and 10 cents more for the tuna. You see, they're offering that, and in other words, it ends up costing you more than you anticipate. You don't even realize it. And that's how temptation wiggles its way into Christian living. We forget the cost of it. Now, listen, that's what temptation does. Temptation downplays. And the world, the flesh, and the devil will always, always make sure this is the case. It downplays the consequence of sin. You don't do that. You emphasize the consequence. And that's what Joseph is doing here in verse number 9. Well, there's a final thing to do. And that is avoid tempting places. Adrian Rogers said that when he was younger, he had a motto on his desk or his wall someplace that said, He who would not fall must not walk in slippery places. You don't want to fall down, don't walk in slippery places. And I think he's right in many, many ways. Well, um, I've got a slippery place in my life. I do. Um, and it's not a slippery place that most people would think is a slippery place. I, I could, for example, uh, with a friend, go to a bar downtown, wouldn't suggest it, and I've done this before at other times. I've taken someone with me, and I've left my card there. And I've said, my name is David Mills. I'm the pastor at Beach Haven. And one of, your, one of these days, one of your employees or one of your customers is going to need someone to pray with them, going to need a friend, someone to listen to. When, uh, when that happens, here are a few of my cards. You give them mine, and I'll be glad to look at them. Now, I always take somebody with me. Don't hang around too long. Don't want to sing the wrong impression. But 
I, I end up doing that to be a to, to be a servant, to be a friend to people that uh, might one day struggle. If I were to go into a place like that, I would not be tempted at all to drink or anything like that. That just has no temptation for me. But you put me on a ball field or a court, a basketball court, and I'm the awfulest person in the room. Oh, my goodness, the things I have done just because I have this sinful, proud, prideful competitiveness. Come here. I coached upward one year. I'll never do it again. <laughs> the first game, I'm the head coach now. The first game, I'm on the sidelines yelling like a maniac, like a wild Comanche. Get up the court. Guard your man. Knock that off. Get up. Get in your position. And, I, and the thought occurred to me, I'm the pastor. And I want to shepherd these kids. I can't coach them and shepherd them at the same time. So I looked at my assistant coach and said, you're in charge. I sat on the bench for the rest of the game and the rest of the season and just stewed and steamed and kept books and looked down. I let him yell like a maniac. Wasn't going to be me. Just because I, I couldn't control it. And so I said to myself after a game or two, I just can't do this anymore. It, it, I, I can't do both. I can't do both. I know where my slippery place is. And uh, that's what we've got to be careful to. Someone make a motion to forgive me, please. <laughs> Thank you. Verse number 10. So it was, and, and I think, I, I don't know what Joseph could have done in this case. Um, I, I, he's a slave. Okay. And, and the Egyptians aren't really concerned about civil rights. Okay. Um, so essentially in verse 10, what happened is that his uh, Potiphar's wife harassed him. Okay. By the way, if you're going through that, you don't have to put up with it. Don't. Tell somebody. Tell somebody in authority. If you need to talk to one of us on staff, we've got help to help you. Don't ever, ever put up with it. Now, this case here is that Joseph was eventually falsely accused. Okay. Both happened. And, and that's why I thank God we've got investigators and uh, that's why the law that lo the laws we have about reporting abuse are very, very good. Uh, pastors and staff don't do investigations. We're not qualified. You use those who are legally investigators. But uh, that is to say, if, if you're being harassed, uh, you, you can report it. You're not in Joseph's situation. You're in an American situation. And thank God for what we've got here. But Joseph is in an environment that is toxic, and uh, it is an enormous, enormous struggle. Um, I would encourage you, especially on a few items. Uh, in the workplace or in friendships, do not share your personal problems with a member of the opposite sex. There's no need to do this. You find a friend of the same sex and do this. Better to share even with your spouse. Sometimes you can't because of the nature of the problem. I understand that, but don't do that. You, you, you immediately start getting too close, all right? And, and no man needs to have a woman as a best friend. No woman needs to have a man as a best friend. Okay? Um, now, if they're seven or 8,000 miles away, that might be one thing, but it may not be. You, you keep your best friends the same, in, uh, the same set. Follow the Billy Graham rule, too. The Billy Graham rule is that he'd never be found alone with a member of the opposite sex in a car, a restaurant, hotel, any place like that. Now, Mike Pence, a couple of years ago, announced that that, that was his rule. Oh, and I mean everybody spit fire. 
just ugly to me. He said, I'm just never alone with another woman in a room. Now, by the same token, there are many women who are never alone in the same room with a man. It goes both ways. But I remember the week that Mike Pence announced that, and boy, they were spitting fire at him on many of the cable news stations, uh, one in particular, two in particular. But uh, uh, the next week, you know what happened? Bill O'Reilly was fired from Fox News because he didn't follow the Bill of Graham rules. He got accused, and Fox dumped him. See? He was not wise. If Bill O'Reilly had followed, if Bill O'Reilly had followed the Billy Graham rule like Mike Pence did, then uh, things would have been much better. And public figures like that, they got to understand. It's not that there necessarily be a problem, but if someone sees you in that kind of situation and they add, they're the kind to add two plus two and get five, all they have to do is accuse you and you're done. So it's protection for yourself or the other person and it's protection for your walk with God. Follow the Billy Graham rule. Do not walk in slippery places. Avoid tempting situations. And um, profoundly important, you got to be careful. Just as soon as you do fail, let me encourage you, there's grace. And if you're under a burden of guilt and sin, the cross and the resurrection are enough. I don't want you to forget that, okay? Uh, there will be times when you'll struggle with something. But uh, you've got to break that chain in order to get back up on your feet and walk with God in the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, Joseph teaches us that. Aren't you grateful for the book of Joshua? My soul. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your great grace and your love.